0: it seems like, how is that possible? How is something that we have and we do every day, all day long, that is at our fingertips, how can that be such a powerful thing that we haven't harnessed yet? Welcome, everyone. In case you are new to the podcast, I would like to take a moment to introduce myself and why I decided as a busy working mom to find the time to put this together. When I was in my late thirties, after working as a surgical physician assistant for about 13 years, I found myself severely burned out. This affected my relationships, my work, my mental, and ultimately my physical health. I felt like I didn't have time to breathe, let alone the time to find the resources to help me out of my burnout cycle. I did find a way out that has led me to a more fulfilled and joyful life. I would like to be a resource for you to do the same. I will walk you through simple steps to integrate into your busy day to help you move out of the burnout cycle. Even if you feel like you don't have time to breathe, you can do this. If I can do it, literally anybody can. Please note, because I am nowhere near perfect, I may slip up and use an occasional minor curse word for emphasis or due to raw emotion. Please be aware. Thank you so much for being here. Let's break the burnout cycle together. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Today on the podcast, I'm going to take a deep dive into breathing. And I've talked about some breathing before by using belly breathing versus uh, chest breathing breathing. But today is going to be a little bit different, and I'm going to walk through this very slowly so that you can follow because there's a lot of science behind this, but it truly is amazing what I'm learning more and more about. I want to start out with when I was burned out, and I think you guys have heard me say this on the podcast, I felt like I couldn't breathe. I felt like I just didn't have time to take a deep breath. And what's interesting to me, learning all of this science, I'm wondering if that was correct. If I was so busy that I wasn't taking full deep breaths, this wasn't a figment of my imagination. So about 80% of office workers Suffer from continuous partial attention where they're constantly doing several tasks at once and never really focusing on just one task, and this leads to shallow and erratic breathing and even holding your breath for about 30 seconds without you knowing it. And it's actually, it actually has a name, it's called email apnea. And they're equating this to similar outcomes as sleep apnea, where you're Body will actually suffer from this apnea that we don't is unconscious. We don't know that we're that we're breathing erratically and shallowly and actually stopping breath altogether. This is actually such a problem that the NIH has started giving grants for people to research this um, because it is a health issue. So it's super interesting to me that it wasn't just. My imagination that I felt like I couldn't breathe. I was so busy that breathing falls to the wayside. So, most of what I'm going to talk about today has come from a few books that I've read. One is called Breath by James Nestor, and the other is The Wim Hof Method by Wim Hof. If you've ever heard of him, he's called like the Iceman, and he does amazing feats of, you know, going into extremely cold water and holding his breath for long periods of time without having any issue doing this. So it was a really interesting read. And so was the other book called Breath. What's really interesting to me that both the books talk about is carbon dioxide. Now, when I was back in college taking exercise physiology, it was kind of the first time that I was introduced to carbon dioxide. And my exercise physiologist teacher said, what drives your breathing? Is it oxygen or carbon dioxide? And all of us were like, oxygen. And he goes, nope, carbon dioxide. And he goes, next time you go out and you exercise and you take a sip of water or you chug some water after you come in from exercising, notice what you do first. And he goes, you will exhale because you need to get rid of that building carbon dioxide in your body. And exhaling does that. He goes you won't inhale. He goes your oxygen's not a problem. Your oxygen levels will stay high no matter. We have more oxygen than we need in our atmosphere. But CO2 under regular circumstances, now I'm not talking about disease or or you know in the ICU, I'm not talking about those type of things, but under regular circumstances, CO2, your carbon dioxide levels is what drives your breathing. What will Speed up and slow down your breathing. And this comes from basic receptors at the base of your brain stem. They're chemoreceptors that are highly sensitive to the amount of CO2 in your bloodstream. This is really super important. And I'm going to back up and I'm going to tell you a little bit about what this book, Breathe, talks about. And this, this gentleman puts together a bunch of research on this, which is just so cool. So there was a researcher many, many years ago that took monkeys out of the wild and removed the amygdala from the monkeys and then released them back out to the wild. And unfortunately, none of these monkeys were able to survive without their amygdala. And why is that? It's because the amygdala is the control center for our fight or flight. It gives us fear, worry. If we don't have it, then we don't have any fear. And so what he found is that these monkeys then, they didn't fear their predators. They didn't fear not having food. They didn't have any fear, and so they perished. Now, we would never do this in humans, but there is a syndrome, it's very, very rare, where patients will have this syndrome that basically puts plaques into their amygdala. So for all intents purposes, they don't have... And amygdala, and they function without fear. And they studied these people, and they tried to evoke some type of fear in them, and they just couldn't, just nothing, no fight-or-flight response whatsoever. And this researcher who was dealing with this one patient found some literature about carbon dioxide therapy. And it was really interesting. So, he had read about giving patients carbon dioxide and a little bit more than what we're normally used to. And so, he had this patient that he could not provoke fear in at all, put a mask on, and gave them 35% carbon dioxide in the air going through the mask. Now, 35% may not sound like a lot, but The percentage of CO2 that we exhale is about 4%. And the amount of CO2 that we inhale is 100 times less than that. So about 0.04%. So inhaling 35% carbon dioxide is a significant increase over what is naturally found in the air that we breathe. And this evoked an incredible anxiety and fear response in this person without an amygdala. And this was completely unexpected. They really thought that the patient would not have any response to this. But what this crystallized is that, yes, our thoughts that go through our amygdala and trigger our fight or flight participate in our anxiety and our worry. But in people without an amygdala, essentially, we could trigger that same anxiety, worry, fight or flight response, fear, simply with too much carbon dioxide. Now think about that. It just got them thinking about, is there another pathway where we can, number one, trigger fear and fight or flight, but number two, help patients that have anxiety and fear and worry. And so they started digging up more research and it was into the 1800s and early 1900s that CO2 was touted as a significant healer. And it came from CO2 springs where people would go and be healed, their skin would heal when they got into the CO2 springs. So this started being studied and even using it as an inhalant to help heal people. Now it fell out of favor and these researchers actually kind of are scratching their heads saying, we don't know why it fell out of favor. So more recently there's been a resurgence in the studying of carbon dioxide and what it can do for us. So there was one researcher called Alicia Moret, and these are very small subgroups. So I want you to take this with a grain of salt, but I just think it's a really interesting concept that I wanted to introduce to y'all. She took 20 people that suffered from panic attacks and she gave them capnometers which basically monitored how much co2 was coming out in their breath and what she noticed was by crunching all the numbers just prior to them having a panic attack their co2 was decreased because they would increase their breathing so if you breathe quick and fast you breathe off your co2 it's it's like hyperventilation so you have a decrease in your co2 And she noticed this by crunching all of the data. And so she asked participants, when they noticed that their CO2 was dropping, because they had that feedback, she asked them to slow down their breathing so that they would increase their CO2. So again, slowing breathing, increasing CO2. And what she found was that they could actually prevent the panic attack from happening. And so what these researchers are finding is that if we can take these receptors in the brain and get them used to not a very small hypersensitivity to CO2, but if we can expand and make these receptors less sensitive to CO2, now, you're never going to make them so unsensitive that they're not going to do their job, right? This is a basic brainstem function. But if we can expand the amount of CO2 that it could get used to, then maybe we can help anxiety and depression. And it's just a really interesting concept. And what's really interesting to me is before I had read this book on breath, I had read the Wim Hof Method book. He says very similar things where if we can get our body used to holding our breath and changing the physiology around our cells of the amount of co2 in our body then we can change the health of our body and you know wim hof has multiple cases where people have reached out to him again not huge studies but have had cases where people have reached out to him and said you helped heal me from this that or the other thing which is powerful but again it's not huge studies and so again i want to Give you this information with a grain of salt. I don't think we have powerful studies behind this, but I really am very interested to see where this goes. And for me, I have put the Wim Hof method in place, and I've been doing this for over, gosh, I bet it's been over a year and a half now. And what I've noticed is, and what this book on breathing reports, is that back in the early, I think it was the early 1900s, when they gave they literally gave catatonic patients these puffs of CO2 and the carbon dioxide would wake them up out of their catatonic state. And they would state that they felt kind of like out of body, like almost like a euphoric sense. And then after the CO2 wore off about, you know, 20, 30 minutes later, they'd fall back into the catatonic state. And without that kind of constant CO2, you know, it wasn't going to solve the problem. And so that, again, some of this may have fell out of favor because how do you give somebody a constant flow of CO2 at the right levels that they need to stay out of a catatonic state in the in the 1920s? So I can see why some of this fell out of favor, but it's just really interesting to me because when I first started the Wim Hof method. I would get this sense of like a high or euphoria. And Wim Hof talks about it in his book that you're accessing the endocannabinoid system and you can get, you can actually have a high from this. And he was like, it's the high of your own breath. And I just, to me, it seems like, how is that possible? How is something that we have and we do every day, all day long that is at our fingertips how can that be such a powerful thing that we haven't harnessed yet? But here's the thing I think we're so heavily focused on disease and pharmaceuticals that there isn't enough people studying how we unlock the potential of our body. And I really do think there is huge potential in our own body under our own will and direction. And we can. Harness this. So, there is a researcher right now. His name's Dr. Feinstein that has kind of taken this carbon dioxide research from many, many, many decades ago and is bringing it back to light and is studying it. And basically, he is somebody that has worked on his entire career working with patients with anxiety. And just to his core, he spent many years feeling that he just could do better for his patients. He was a big proponent of mindfulness meditation. He spent years trying to teach this to his patients, and he just felt like it just isn't working. Not that it's not a powerful tool, not that it doesn't have research behind it and it helps. He just said that people, the vast majority of people will abandon the method because it just doesn't work immediately. And that was really hard for him. So he said, is there just a better thing I can do for my patients other than prescribing them a medication? Because what we know is that about half the people that are prescribed medication for anxiety and depression, about half the time it doesn't help them. So we need to find better ways of helping patients and or helping ourselves to mitigate this worry and stress and anxiety and depression that is just, I think we all struggle at some level with this. And maybe I'm wrong because maybe I'm just speaking from myself and I know that I struggle with these things and I look around and I see so many other people struggling with these things, but I do feel like it's out there. But I think it's so interesting that if there is something else that we can control and help our bodies, why aren't we talking about it? You know, why aren't we doing more about this? And so I wanted to bring this to light because I really am passionate about helping. And this is something that you can add to your routine that may help you. I don't think it's going to hurt you by doing some breathing. And I think it could be great to help widen your CO2 range in those chemoreceptors at the base of your brain. I'm gonna read you the Wim Hof Method that I use. Now, there's lots of different breathing that he recommends throughout his book, but this is kind of the basic one that he recommends using. And I use it and I have really enjoyed it. I think it really has helped. And I think it could help others. And so I'm going to put it out there. Now, again, please don't start anything without checking this by your medical provider. You know, this is just something that I think has worked for me. This is something that has some interesting beginner research behind it, but I've told this to lots of people that I talked to the Wim Hof Method about, try it. And if it helps, great. And if it doesn't help, okay. You know I mean? I don't think that it can hurt to try it. So here's the method that I use, and I'm going to read it directly from the book. So it says, number one, while seated or lying down, take 30 to 40 full conscious breaths. Breathe fully into the belly and the chest, then letting go without force. Number two, on your final exhale, let the air out and hold it out for as long as you can without discomfort. Listen to your body and don't force it. Three, when you feel the urge to breathe again, take a deep breath in, hold for 10 to 15 seconds, then release and relax. Number four. Repeat the steps above two or three more times, paying attention to how you feel and adjusting your breath as needed. Five, rest in this elevated state until you are ready to move on with your day. Alternatively, use the energy you just generated for your morning workout or yoga practice. Experiment with what feels right for you. This has been a really powerful breathing exercise for me and the book will warn you. And so I do wanna warn you that When you breathe and you hold like this, you may get sensations in your body. Like sometimes my lips feel a little bit numb. um, My hands might feel tingly on occasion. So you may get some bodily sensations that are indicative of you changing your physiology in your body. And so I just wanted to warn you about those before. But again, I think it's super important to listen to your body. And if any of this is uncomfortable, not to do it. But I do think there's some interesting research behind it. I do think that we have potential of our bodies that we haven't unlocked. And this may be one of those that we can unlock and we have the potential to help ourselves. And so I really wanted to put it out there. Just have a little bit of fun with it. Try it. See how it works for you. It's really interesting. The other thing that I want to warn you about, and this was just me, but a book I read called Burnout. The secret to unlocking the stress cycle talked about completing the stress cycle and how your body sits basically in cortisol all day long as you're firing stressors throughout your day. But we never finish the stress cycle like we used to when we were cavemen by like running away and and moving our bodies. And so it talks about completing the stress cycle. Well, this breathing at least for me i think started completing stress cycles that i had been building for years and so when i first started the wim hof breathing i would start crying like literally tears would just be running down my face and i i couldn't describe why but it felt good like to get out this emotion and i still don't know exactly why other than i think i was just unlocking a lot of stress in my body and it just was coming out and that happened maybe, I don't know, five or six times, and then it stopped. I really do believe that there's something to this, that our bodies really are holding on to so much and just need to let it out. And, and breathing seems to unlock that somehow. But I think there's more to it than that. I just think that we are simplistic in our knowledge of several aspects in the body that we need to research more. But I think there are pioneers out there. And I'm kind of trying to bring you information from pioneers that I really think is going to be important and can be really super important to our health and well-being. So I appreciate you all having an open mind and listening to pioneering research on things that might help us and giving it a try and seeing if it works for you. And if it does work, let me know so then I can give feedback. All right, everyone, have a great week. Thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time for you. Thank you for being the amazing person that you are and continuing on this path with me. We'll see you next week. If you're really enjoying this podcast, head on over to Apple and give me a rating and review. And also click that follow button so that you know when the next podcast comes out. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time. The information, opinion, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only. And any reliance on the information provided in the podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast is not to be considered professional advice. Before starting any change in physical, mental, or dietary practice, you should consult your medical provider.